It's 11.30 here at KRVN, which means it's time for midday on Monday, the 8th day of March. Tyler Cavalli back with you here to start the week. Jason Jorgensen will talk about Loper Women's Basketball and uh, NCAA Tournament to Bound coming up. He'll have more on that in just a moment. Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are performing to start this new week as well. And, of course, if you're not enjoying these temperatures, hopefully get out there and do so. They'll even get warmer coming up tomorrow as well. But let's uh, start with Farm Director Susan Littlefield to uh, give us a preview of what's to come on midday. And, Susan, how was your weekend? It was good. It went really fast. As they always do, don't they? I know. I heard it was warm. I was working this weekend, but I, I heard it was pretty decent outside. Saw a lot of uh, drying out of the county roads, so a little mm, bit dusty. Mm. And I know, I think it's on your end as well, the state as it is ours. There's a lot of burn bans in place. So yep. before you think of burning, you better contact your fire chief. Good note to uh, pass along as well. Uh, what do you have for us coming up today? Well, Alex is going to kick everything off here at 1219 as talks with the Kansas Beef Council, sharing the beef checkoff resources that promote beef in a healthy diet. That's been a a big push lately from the beef industry, so some great information coming her way. We're going to kind of continue with that beef feel at 1245 as I talk about the Aggieville Showdown. This got postponed due to the pandemic. It's a prospect cattle show that's taking place in downtown Manhattan, Kansas. And when I say downtown, Literally, the final drive is going to be held on the main streets Mm. of downtown Manhattan. So we'll find out more details about that. And then Clay will step in here at 117, an update on how seed stock bull markets are looking in the early part of 2021. So it's a a beefy kind of day, I guess, from the farm team. All right. We'll take it here on the Monday. Appreciate it, Susan. No problem. Thank you. All right. So let's turn things over to uh, Jason Jorgensen in sports and UNK women. NCAA tournament bound. Yeah, first time in 12 years they get the automatic berth, although they pretty much knew they were headed anyway, even before they knocked out Fort Hayes State yesterday in Hayes in the MIAA tournament final. We'll get the thoughts of head coach Kerry Amy. Both UNK and Fort Hayes State have first round buys in the regional that begins later on this week in Warrensburg. So Fort Hayes State, they're the number one seed. The Lopers are number two. It wouldn't surprise me if there's round four between those two by the time this whole regional is over with. What are your thoughts of, of how they'll fare in this regional overall? I think they, well, I think the Lopers have a decent shot to win on Saturday night, either against Emporia State or if they take on Minnesota sure. Duluth. But it just goes to show you've and you've been there, you've seen it. Uh, tournament time, you get hot and things start to go your way, and you know you never know where it will end. Now, if they do win this regional, where's the next uh, spot? The Elite Eight is in Columbus, Ohio. All right. All so right. We'd we'll be, we'll be headed east. I say, hopefully they keep going yeah. east at this point. All right. It's, it's, uh, it's a good kind of tired today. That's good. And uh, we learned Husker men, they open up the first round as well, Husker men's basketball. Wednesday night against Penn State. And Huskers yesterday did what the Huskers do. They pull you in and then break your heart. Very true. All right, good stuff there. Uh, let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. And how are stocks performing on this Monday? Wavering between uh, gains and losses in the uh, early going on Wall Street. Also, oil prices rose today as uh, Saudi Arabian oil facilities were targeted by drone strikes uh, just days after the largest crude exporting nations and the world said they would not increase output. So those are a couple of the stories making news headlines. Right. And it's time for the regional ag weather update. 
means Paul Perkins has stepped back in. And, well, Paul, it's uh, another spring-like <laughs> afternoon already. Yeah, and getting close to summer-like levels as we mm-hmm. head towards tomorrow with highs tomorrow up near 80. Just keep in mind, a week ago or three weeks ago today, we had many of our daytime highs barely even got to even zero. A lot of right. locations had 10 below for the actual daytime high. In 22 days, we could be looking at a 90 days, a 90 day, or 90 temp, 90 degree swing in temperatures from last mm-hmm. three weeks ago to tomorrow, with highs tomorrow up near 80. And the temperatures are going to continue, as you mentioned, tomorrow. Now, unfortunately, probably not going to be sustained, huh? <laughs> no. All good things must come to an end, as we all know, in Nebraska weather and mm-hmm. Kansas weather. And it's not going to be too cool. Uh, some cooler air moving in for later in the week. But the good thing is that it won't be any Arctic air. And we do have some promising chances at some precipitation probably by the weekend. Are you talking snow or rain? <laughs> Still some details to work out, but... Probably if it's falling during the day, we'll see maybe a rain, rain-snow mix, then some chances of some snow at night. Mm. Uh, a little too early to tell for the details. Uh, some of it may be, though, moving a little bit more to our south. But we're actually talking temperatures maybe as cool as the low 40s for daytime highs on Sunday. So not a whole bunch of cold Arctic air to work with on this system for snow. But, you know, can't rule out maybe some snow on some grassy areas and something like that, something like that at this point. I liked how we started off with uh, the warm temperatures. Let's focus on that again. You betcha. We've got those for a few more days. Right now, our temperature's pretty much in the upper 50s to the low 60s, as warm as 64 right now. And your temperature in Beatrice and Hebron and 66 in Marysville and also in Manhattan in northeast Kansas. Temperature's still in the low to mid-50s from Ord and Broken Bow down to the Imperial and North Platte area. Then some 40s still in the Nebraska Panhandle. Some cloud cover moving in from western areas. Uh, a lot of us with some at least filtered sunshine. Both today and tomorrow, some sunny to partly cloudy skies with a ridge of high pressure overhead. Temperatures today, 20 to 25 degrees above average. Then near record warm levels for tomorrow. Both today and tomorrow, those breezy to strong southerly winds and low humidity increasing the fire weather danger to near critical levels. Some some thunderstorms are possible with the passage of that cold front for tomorrow night, but it looks like it will be mainly in eastern areas. Nothing severe. The front will continue to be the focus for areas of rain for Wednesday to the south and east. Temperature is still about 10 degrees warmer than average behind that front for Wednesday before our temperatures drop to more seasonal levels for Thursday into Saturday. The weather turning more unsettled late in the week, but more so over the weekend. Slow-moving low pressure out of the four corners, likely leading to some widespread rain and or snow, but there's still some plenty, uh, still plenty of uncertainty and some details to work out with that system moving in as we head towards late in the week and the weekend. In the long-term forecast, below normal temperatures are likely for not only Nebraska and Kansas, but also much of the U.S. for this weekend and all the way through the first full day of spring on March 21st. So, yes, next week, the last week of winter, precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas looks to be near normal to slightly above normal this weekend through early next week. Our outlook turns drier with below number precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas for much of next week through March 21st. Key weather factors impacting the markets include a nearly unchanged pattern of heavy rain in central Brazil, dry conditions in Argentina, and promising precipitation chances for wheat areas of the U.S. Southern Plains. For the early half of this week, warmer air will expand eastward in advance of a cold front out of the Pacific Northwest, not an Arctic front. The second half of the week, slightly cooler air, but once again, not Arctic air, will overspread the plains and Midwest during the mid to late week period. 
precipitation will become more organized across the Midwest and Mid-South. In the Southern Plains, scattered rain late last week, a benefit for winter wheat starting to break out of dormancy. A few more scattered showers this week and chances of moderate to heavy precipitation will be watched. And that precipitation could include areas of the western Southern Plains now in drought. Any of the cold air with this system does not appear it will cause any damage. From the Midwest, a few storms this week with moderate precipitation will benefit soil moisture getting closer to field work. A system affecting the plains this weekend could bring a Additional moderate precipitation to the Midwest next week. Across Brazil, this last weekend's weather included rain in central areas, while South Brazil remained drier. Central Brazil will have periods of locally heavy rain this week, keeping soybean harvest slow along with planting of second crop corn. Dryness over South Brazil will continue and produce stress for the remaining immature corn and soybeans and the newly planted corn. Central Argentina's dry weather this past weekend once again stressful to filling corn and soybeans. Rain chances this week will only be isolated to areas of the south and west part of Argentina. Elsewhere, the dry weather will continue. How about fire weather danger? Something to keep an eye on pretty much this entire week. Exactly, especially today and tomorrow. Uh, looking at lower temperatures as we head towards Wednesday. Right now, there is a red flag warning into northeast Kansas, basically from Carn- mm. Concordia and points to the south and east. But yeah, ele- elevated fire weather concerns right now, especially with the, the dry air, uh, the dry grasses, and, of course, those warmer temperatures, especially heading into tomorrow. And something to take serious because we did see some of those fires break out over the last couple of days. So yeah, All it takes is a little spark, that's for sure. All right. Well, enjoy the warm temperatures, that's for sure. We'll see warmer <laughs> temperatures tomorrow. We'll discuss that as well. Uh, for more weather, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. All right, thank you. <laughs> Incorporating beef in a heart-healthy diet. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. The month of February is commemorated as American Heart Month, a time when the nation spotlights the importance of adopting a healthy lifestyle for heart health. Abby Hadari is the Director of Nutrition with the Kansas Beef Council, and she shares about beef checkoff programming that focuses on this topic. As part of the Beef Council's nutrition-focused programming, last month we provided 26 Kansas and Kansas City Metro cardiac rehabilitation clinics with beef resources that engage consumers and note how beef can continue to be their protein of choice within a heart-healthy diet and active lifestyle. Print resources provided beef nutritional information, a collection of heart-healthy beef recipes certified by the American Heart Association, and research answering common questions about beef and the diet. Abby said that's a common question in the health and nutrition industry as to whether or not consumers can enjoy beef regularly as a part of their heart-healthy diet. She said there's checkoff programming to help answer questions about beef in the diet. There are several facts about beef and heart health that many people may not realize. So checkoff-funded programming, including the resources that we provide to health professionals and patients alike, focus on busting some common myths about beef. One common misperception is that beef consumption should be limited within a heart-healthy diet. But consistent, high-quality research shows that including lean beef every day as part of a heart-healthy diet and lifestyle can actually reduce risk factors for heart disease like lowering total and LDL cholesterol and blood pressure. And Abby said there are also some misconceptions at the grocery store. A second misconception about beef is that it's difficult to find lean cuts of beef in the grocery store. But thanks to enhancements throughout the beef production process, such as improved breeding and feeding practices, today's beef is leaner than ever before. 
with more than 65% of the whole muscle cuts sold throughout the supermarket meat case falling under the USDA's definition of lean. Not only that, but many people are surprised to learn that more than half of the fatty acid profile of beef is monounsaturated fat, which is the same type of heart-healthy fat found in extra virgin olive oil. Abby said she and her team with the Kansas Beef Council are working to debunk those common beef myths. She said that there's also some science-based nutrition information about beef to help consumers make more informed choices about what they eat. I recently appeared on WIBW Channel 13 to share how consumers can make a restaurant-quality beef dish for Valentine's Day while in the comfort of their own home. Via Zoom, I was able to join their morning anchor, Alyssa Willits, and show consumers how to cook an economical yet tender sirloin filet via the skillet-to-oven cooking method. I was able to focus the content and showcase how beef is a nutrition powerhouse that can be easy to prepare by using common ingredients and matching the right cooking method to the right cut of beef. With many consumers facing kitchen fatigue, but still needing to cook from home, this appearance helped walk viewers through creating a delicious and satisfying steak for a no-hassle romantic meal that didn't take all day. And Abby said, while it's effective to go on a TV program to connect with a beef consumer audience, it's not the only piece of the puzzle. Televised cooking demonstrations like this one are just one aspect of the larger nutrition programming outreach that also includes educating health professionals, teachers, and influencers about the positive nutritional attributes of beef. To learn about checkoff-funded programming, visit kansasbeef.org and click on the tab titled Beef Hub. That again is Abby Hadari. She is the Director of Nutrition with the Kansas Beef Council. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's Soybean Farmers and their Checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen has stepped back in. and Well, it's uh, that time of year. College basketball. And uh, one team in our area is going dancing. Yeah, that's right. UNK women are headed to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 12 years after they earned an automatic bid with a six-point win over Fort Hay State yesterday in the MIAA tournament title game. It's the first time the Lopers have captured the title tournament since uh, joining the league eight years ago. Lopers jumped out to a double-digit lead in the first quarter, and head coach Carrie Amy says that was a great way to start. Yeah, we had a, had a lot of poise, I thought, um, early on, and, and uh, kind of took their crowd out of it for a while, and it helped us kind of just develop a rhythm. It was a little quieter in here. We could hear each other, and, you know, I thought we made really good decisions with the ball, and like I said, we, were, we, we weren't sped up. We were making uh, the right reads, uh, delivering the ball to places where people could do something with it, especially early on. Lopers led by 11 at the break. Fort Hay State got as close as three on a couple occasions deep in the fourth quarter. Tournament's most outstanding player was Brooke Carlson, who scored 18 points. Lopers move on regional action. Uh, they are the second seed in the Warrensburg Regional, so they will wait and see who wins on Friday between Emporia State and Minnesota Duluth. The Lopers will play for sure on Saturday night at 7.30. We'll have that game over on 93.1 The River and 106.9 in Kearney. Is there a team they'd rather see? See. I mean, they've seen Emporia, obviously, but Minnesota Duluth, they only have, what, one loss? Yeah, but they only played like 13 games. Okay. And the Northern Sun this year was not thought to be as strong as the MIAA. The one thing the Lobers don't like is that 2-3 zone that Emporia plays, and that's all they play. They, okay. they stay in that 2-3 zone, and they got some kids that can shoot the ball. Right. So... 
And they I, beat Emporia twice, right? Well, they beat them once. Once. They only okay. played them once this year. But they're, uh-huh. they're a tricky team. They got the best player in the league in Treasure Joe. If they had their druthers, they'd probably see somebody different. But okay. uh, we'll All see. Right. All right. Fun stuff. Kobe Webster had a season-high 23 points and 5 assists, and Nebraska rallied back from a 16-point deficit only to lose on a putback with 2.7 <laughs> seconds left to Northwestern, 79-78. The Huskers will play in the first round of the Big Ten tournament against Penn State. That's set for Wednesday night. That game will start somewhere between about 8, mm-hmm. 8.30 We'll have it Wednesday night over here on 880 KRVN. Third-ranked Husker wrestling team had a good weekend, finishing third to the Big Ten Championships. And how about the Husker baseball team? Right. Three-in-one start. They lost on Friday. Then they knocked Purdue around the rest of the weekend and shut out the Boilermakers yesterday 4 nothing. Good start for Husker baseball. Didn't even get a play last year, right? Or did they play a few uh, They games? played a couple weeks. Okay. Yeah, there was okay. about – everybody got about 8, 10 – games in and then it's all fog yeah it from is, there. So it is very <laughs> yeah you were getting ready to like call a national championship or something yeah, it's close yeah, but yeah. Uh, okay national tournament yeah should they be pretty solid this year the husker baseball team i don't know it's hard hard to probably know not having a whole year i suppose it is they're not predicted to be in the top six of the big 10 but who knows what that's worth it does sound like though recruiting's gone better for will bull they've already made some inroads where Darren Erstad and the previous staff struggled. Okay, well, let's hope we have uh, more exciting Husker news to talk about mm-hmm. down the road. Thank you very much. <laughs> Time for midday news. Start this Monday afternoon. Dave Schroeder has stepped in and well, it's been a, a busy weekend in news, as I suppose it always is. Yep, it sure has. It seems like stuff just accumulates and then <laughs> comes out Monday morning. So here we are. Two Grand Island teens have been sentenced in connection to a North Platte killing. According to Lincoln County District Court records, 18-year-old Jesus Martinez was sentenced to 40 to 60 years in prison for second-degree murder and 15 to 25 years for a weapons count. Meanwhile, 18-year-old Braden Turner was sentenced to 20 to 30 years in prison for robbery. Their charges were reduced in exchange for plea deals. Both are credited for 880 days served. Their convictions and sentencing stem from the September 2018 killing of 22-year-old Ethan Polmeyer. According to court records, Polmeyer was trying to sell an ounce of marijuana to Martinez and Turner at Centennial Park in North Platte before he was shot and killed. Meanwhile, officials in central Nebraska say a pilot has died in a small plane crash in Custer County. The Custer County Sheriff's Office says it happened Saturday when the office received a report that a single-engine plane had failed to arrive at a Colorado airport as scheduled. The Custer County Sheriff's Office says the wreckage of the plane was found several hours later in a pasture southwest of Ansley. The body and the plane's pilot and sole occupant, 74-year-old Keith Walker of Mason City, was found in the wreckage. The chair of the legislature's Appropriations Committee says lawmakers have a bit more flexibility on budget discussions with the latest projections for state revenues. The Economic Forecasting Advisory Board has increased the current fiscal year forecast by $204 million. Senator John Stinner of Gearing says the changes in the forecast compared to last fall are really quite the reversal. If you remember back in August, we were short of over $700 million. 
we've had almost a billion dollar turnaround as it relates to revenue. Um, it's about almost 9% uh, if you wanted to look at a, a percentage. So, you know, when you go from a shortfall and then you have some excess, it causes a lot of people to start lining up. Stinner says those requests amount to about $250 million this year alone, many of them pandemic-related. And that's an update of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder. PCM New Male Artist of the Year nominee Parker McCullough is coming to Red Dirt on the River 7. Friday, March 12th at the Viero Center in Cardiff with special guests Chancey Williams and the James Lee Band. Tickets available at CarneyEvents.net. Doors open at 6 p.m. Parker McCullough at Red Dirt on the River. Presented by the Viero Center, Joe's Concerts, and 93.1 The River. Excitement is building for a unique cattle show that's coming to Manhattan, Kansas in April. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Christian Callahan is the founder and general manager of the Aggieville Showdown. Now, the showdown originally planned for last year had to be rescheduled due to the pandemic, and it's now set to take place April 17th in Manhattan, Kansas. Christian explains what the Aggieville Showdown is all about and a unique twist that's taking place during the show. The Aggieville Showdown is a new national prospect cattle show that's taking place in Manhattan, Kansas on April 17th. And it's a little different and unique compared to the average uh, cattle show. As while we do start at the Riley County Fairgrounds, our judges from Loveland, Colorado, Ashley Judge and Jake Wagner will select the top six of our market beef and breeding heifers. But then those top six will advance to a special event called the Grand Drive that's going to be in the center of Aggieville Business District in Manhattan. Um, That is a popular business district that has different bars, restaurants, different shops that you can go to and what's going to be so unique about it is we are actually setting up a portable show arena and stage in the center of Aggieville where these contestants will actually get to show in the middle of this business district and compete for over five thousand dollars in prizes and then on top of that we're also going to have vendors there live music performance a fashion show and then of course we're actually going to have an official after party at Yard Bar Um, by Johnny Cause Sports Bar. You know, I think this is absolutely cool. I mean, I'm grinning from ear to ear to think that you're going to have a grand drive in the middle of downtown Manhattan for folks that maybe have never seen a cattle show and all the other festivities that go along with it are going to get to see so firsthand. Yes, Susan, that is just what's so special about this is that we're really trying to bridge that gap between rural and urban. So bringing a cattle show, you know, into an urban setting where there will be people, you know, that have never been around cattle or experienced um, anything like it. It really gives them the opportunity to come watch and, you know, celebrate agriculture and the cattle industry with us, along with, you know, talk with exhibitors and producers and, you know, learn a little bit more about our industry. You've got a variety of things that are going to take place during that grand drive as well. It's not just going to be uh, cattle showing. I understand you've got a fashion show. You've got interviews, uh, vendors, really a, a very festive occasion. 
Yeah, and that's what makes it so special is we really wanted to capitalize, you know, on making this a celebration and a learning experience. Um, so having those vendors, you know, spurring that economic development, you know, having people just from all across, because being in the center of Manhattan, Kansas, what's so special about that is, of course, Kansas State University is there. Um, so it gives a great opportunity even for the exhibitors to not only come to our cattle show, but experience Manhattan, experience the college. And then, like you said, we have a bunch of other festivities uh, to go along with that learning piece. We, you know, really wanted to interview our contestants after they win, you know, to get the that instant factor of what it means to win that, um, you know, the pride that comes with that. And then also, you know, just educate anyone else that's in the crowd, you know, that's not been around cattle. And that kind of gives opportunity. And then, of course, the fashion show will probably be a favorite of many. Um, it's just something really unique. And we have lots of different boutiques from across the country coming to that. And what's so unique about that is, you know, a lot of them um, may just be online stores. So this is an opportunity for people to actually come and see their clothing in person. Um, and then, of course, some of them are even going to have a vendor booth. So right after you see it on the runway, you can go back and purchase some of your favorite items. Is there still an opportunity to get your cattle registered for the competition? Yes, entries are open right now. The best way to sign up is to go to our website. It's aggievilleshowdown.com. And if you click on the cattle show tab, um, under that you'll see a tab that says entry. And you can go on there and get your entries in. It has all your information that you can need. You can order t-shirts, sign up for the show. Um, we also are partnered with the Holiday Inn Express at campus um, in Manhattan. Um, and we have a special group rate for that uh, with the code being AGS. So make sure, you know, to get those hotels booked early and make sure to get your entries in soon too, um, because we do have limited capacity on stalling, but we are allowing exhibitors to show out their trailer too. But it will be a great event that you don't want to miss. And for more information, be sure to get into those pre-entries in by April 10th. And you can show up day of, but there is a few more fees that come along with that. Again, what's so unique about this is no other show in the nation has created a grand drive on the street of a popular business and entertainment district. Exhibitors will arrive the afternoon of April 16th to prepare cattle for the show that begins at 9 a.m. on April 17th, and that'll be at the Riley County Fairgrounds there in Manhattan, Kansas. Participants can be from ages 8 to 25, and they'll compete in the division of showmanship, prospect market beef, and breeding heifers. If you'd like to read more about this and the big showdown that's going to be in the downtown Manhattan area, go to AggievilleShowdown.com. That website again is AggievilleShowdown.com. Entries are still open, and the show takes place April 17th, again in Manhattan, Kansas. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bob Brogan for the Rural Radio Network. Stocks were higher in afternoon trading as weakness in technology companies was being offset by strength in banks and other sectors. Investors continued to closely watch the bond market where another uptick in bond yields was giving some investors pause. The S&P 500 is up five-tenths of a percent. Investors have been betting that trillions of dollars in coming government stimulus will help lift the economy out of its coronavirus-induced depression. There are also investors who are betting that stimulus and an improving economy will result in some amount of inflation down the road. 
Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says fears that the administration's $1.9 trillion relief bill could trigger a rapid rise in inflation are misplaced. In an interview on MSNBC today, Yellen said the measure, which will provide $1,400 checks to millions of Americans, along with other assistance, will provide needed relief and help the economy return to full employment by next year. Yellen downplayed concerns by some economists that the measure could rev up the economy too fast and trigger higher inflation. Oil prices are higher after Saudi Arabian oil facilities were targeted by drone strikes just days after the largest crude exporting nations in the world said they would not increase output. Brent crude, the international standard, surpassed $70 per barrel for the first time since the pandemic sent prices plunging last year. U.S. crude is also hitting pre-pandemic levels. Crude prices have surged more than 30% this year as massive vaccination campaigns gain momentum, potentially signaling the beginning of the end of a global pandemic. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. As you can hear, a little bit of the hubbub going on behind us as we conclude the Flying H Genetics bull sale down near Arapahoe. But now have the opportunity to talk with ringman Christian Rennert. And Christian, you have ringed a lot of bull sales over the years, but how does the spring bull run, or I guess late winter, early spring bull run, looking so far in 21? The bull sale season has been extremely good so far. I'm not really sure the optimism where it's coming from, but it sure has been solid. Uh, seems to me like a lot of producers are looking for heavier weaning weights, more performance, more pounds. I think they're just looking for more out of the calves that they're having on the ground. And, and one thing I think they're doing is looking for crossbreeding. We've seen a lot of guys talking hybrid vigor over the last couple of years. It's been maybe a buzzword that has really come out. Are you seeing any specific breed traits or maybe breeds that are starting to really come on due to that hybrid vigor that a lot of guys are wanting? Seems like the guys with the Sim Angus or the Gelvy Balancers, they're looking for higher percent of those continental breeds. You know, I know that people are looking at Hereford breeds pretty hard and also Charlet, trying to just get a little bit more heterosis in their calf crop. In terms of the bull buyer, 20 through things for a curve. We saw COVID come in, you know, guys having to move to more of an online platform. Are you still seeing good turnouts of in-person at the sales? It, it's interesting. Last year forced everybody to be a little more in tune with the technology available, and it put some of those buyers in a uncomfortable situation where they had to adopt new buying methods. It seems like we see a lot more video sales. We see a lot more online buying. With our bull sale, we had it uh, the week of the really, really cold weather. And due to that, we sold 60% of the offering of our bulls online, which is tremendous. I mean, luckily, we have those technologies available to us to where we can utilize technology and people don't have to leave the farm and they can stay home and calve and keep tractors thawed and the, the water's running. And it's definitely changed the way people buy livestock. That is interesting to hear. And, of course, the livestock industry, one that's ever forward-changing and moving as things continue to go forward. But as we start to go now and here to the early summer months, a lot of guys gearing up for grass pasture and things. Do you think guys are kind of secured in there, or some of these later bull sales still going to be strong? I think with the cold weather that we experienced here a couple weeks ago that people really need to go out and test their bulls, their herd sires, the bulls, uh, even that they're buying right now, I think should probably be retested. And I think that some of these later bull sales could be very good and there could be a lot of interest because some of these bulls did not come through that weather in, in good shape. So I think as a precautionary thing, test your bulls. 
test your herd sires. Make sure that you're prepared and not caught in a bad situation so that you have open cows. It's just one of those situations where being proactive and, and using good management decisions is going to probably do producers a lot of good. Christian, we appreciate the time just kind of walking us through what the bull season has looked like so far. Any final closing thoughts for us or anything that we may have overlooked in the interview? There's still nothing like going to a bull sale and seeing people face-to-face, seeing the bulls in person. If, if you know you're going to not make a sale, try to get to, to the sales ahead of time and work with your producers. These seed stock producers put in a lot of time. They put in a lot of effort, and they're happy to help you, guide you with your buying decisions, whether you can make it to the sale, buy online, or maybe do something over the phone. Uh, there's there's plenty of opportunities, but work with your seed stock producers. They're they're in the business. They're fighting day in day out to raise the best genetics possible to help the commercial producers. That's Christian Rennert, and he was one of the ringmen here at Flying H Genetics, but works a lot of bull sales, has his own registered seed stock, and more. Christian, we appreciate the time, and thank you for listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. John, as we come into the close here, soybeans and corn able to maintain some limited gains on the day while wheat trades into the red. How much of this is pre-positioning ahead of tomorrow's report? I think a part of it is we've got uh, you know some some issues here in South America. Mato Grosso, which is a big first crop soybean, second crop corn area, might be looking at a state of emergency. You got like three million hectares, which is like twelve million acres, I think. So, kind of struggling with flooding in that area, and uh, they got to get corn in behind it. So, there's a little bit of support there. Uh, they did add some rain to the Argentinian forecast, so that's kind of been the concern, I think, with the southern part of the country. It still is uh, an issue here, but uh, I don't know if the USDA is going to commit to any types of changes or CONAB. CONAB has a report out uh, as well, so keep that. Um, Keep that in mind. Uh, you'll have South America's take on it this week. But I, I think the cash markets are just too strong here to, suppre- to suppress a break, even if we get bearish news. Look at where the March, is, March contracts are trading right now. 565 for corn. That's old crop now. I mean, this is March. It's not, a, it's not a futures contract. We're talking about the May. The May is down to 547. Over on the bean side, it's only a $2 inversion, but uh, or $0.02 cent inversion, rather, 1436 to 1434. But it still is inverted, and it wasn't inverted a week ago. So I got the supply, the physical supply holding in here. My thinking is just get some backing off of the speculators. There's just so much in here right now, and it's tough to get it to push without seeing farmers want to sell it, especially given the crop doesn't, at least in this part of the world, doesn't have any threats yet. So still a lot of things to come out. We'll get out tomorrow's report here at mid-morning in the session. Other things that grains are going to be watching, could it be anything with this currency play where the U.S. dollar is trying to push back up to that high it was at before the U.S. presidential election? Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. You know, I, if you and I talked, you know, I was kind of bullish the Real. I thought Brazil would get off its butt and maybe move a little bit. They were taking a little more of a, a laissez-faire approach to COVID. They weren't printing as much money, but their economy's been in shambles here. The higher crude oil prices haven't even really had a chance to save it. So with that with that happening, it continues to keep the foot on the pedal for new crop production of Brazil next year. Now, you're probably like, I'm sick of talking about South America. Now we're talking about next year. But that's where these new crowd markets are going to look, specifically December 22, December 23. And they're sitting down here at like five, you know, 4, 4.30, 4.20-ish, 4.40-ish in that area. That's where they've been to get this, those to really go. And that's where your hedging opportunities are, in my opinion. That's the December 22 contract and beyond. That's what in phase one over, and we don't really know what that future will look like with China. 
That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing. Learn more at danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Hi, right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. If you miss anything, you can listen to our Midday podcast, sponsored by Devaney Motors, wherever podcasts are available, or krvn.com.